You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. The gospel is our doctrine. The gospel is our culture. And the gospel is our mission. What we've been looking at in this vision series is how these three values, these three truths about our church, how they all come together and they should now lead us into our mission. And our mission is making disciples and making much of Jesus. That is our task at hand as a local church here in Tomball, here in North Houston. And here's what we need to know about our mission of making disciples and making much of Jesus. Making disciples... Making much of Jesus isn't just a slogan for a church's website. And it isn't just a phrase that looks nice on a sign. And it's not meant to just be the kind of registered, you know, statement of an organization that's on file with the United States government. If you are a member of Redeemer Church, this is your mission. When you became a member of Redeemer, you basically said, put me down for that. Add my name to the list of I want to be a part of a group of people that are going to make disciples, make followers of Jesus, and and train and encourage followers of Christ and make much of him. So how are you doing in your mission? How are you doing at making disciples? Jesus told us, this is not our idea. This is not pastor's ideas. This is Jesus's idea in Matthew 28 when he says, all authority in heaven and on earth, basically, I'm in charge of everything. I have all authority. Now go, therefore, and make disciples, make students of me, make followers of me of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them, instructing them to obey everything I've taught you. And I'll be with you always till the end of the age. So we, we are called to make disciples, followers of Jesus. That's our mission. And to see it happen, there's, there's layers happening in what Jesus is saying, but to see it happen here in North Houston and the nations. To see current disciples strengthened and to see new Christians, new disciples made through your testimony, through your evangelism, through your small group, through your witnessing at your work. And here's how we're going to do this. We're going to do it by being a gospel culture that we've talked about the last two weeks. We're going to be a place that teaches gospel doctrine. And then we're going to be active on gospel mission. Active in gospel mission. As we wrap up our vision series today, that's what we're going to see. How now, these first week of all of our gospel doctrine, these last two weeks of what does it look like to be a gospel culture in the middle of a Bible Belt church culture? How do we love one another in Christ? And then now, how does that mission get wheels on it? So let's turn in our Bibles to Colossians 4, or turn on your Bibles to Colossians 4 now today, and begin in verse 2. And as we do every week, if you're able, let's stand together for the reading of the Word of Christ as these words come to us and that same resurrection power. In verse 2, our brother Paul tells us by the Spirit, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word 
to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I may make it known as I should act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Let's pray together. King Jesus, help us now. We're devoting ourselves to you now in in this moment as we pray and for the rest of our morning, and I pray our lives. We come to you now, Lord, seeking your help. What does it look like for us to be on mission, to make disciples of you here in North Houston and to the nation? So help us now, King Jesus, and it's in your mighty, mighty risen name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I know when you, when you hear a sermon on missions and evangelism, you start getting excited. But before we get all excited and before we dive out and you're like, I'm going to go knocking on doors this afternoon before you go out and get arrested or whatever. Here, here's what we need to begin with. Do you know what you need first? Before you need a strategy, before you need tactics, before you need apologetic arguments and all those kinds of things. Do you know what you need first? You need power from on high. You need power. Before Jesus ascends back into heaven, he tells his disciples after he's risen from the dead, you're going to go and be my witnesses. You're going to go and make disciples, but stay here until you are clothed with power from on high. Where we begin with gospel mission is not strategy or tactics or techniques, but we we begin with prayer. Prayer makes mission possible. Look at verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer. Here's, here's what we got to begin here. This word, yourselves, don't read that as me, myself, and I. This word, I know when we read verses like this, yourself, we're thinking it's just about us, but this word is Greek, and in the Greek it is plural. So, and if I were to textinify it, it would be something like, devote yourselves. When you read plurals like this, it's a y'all. Devote y'all's selves to prayer. So Paul is calling for this church in Colossae and now this church in Tomball to realize that fruitful gospel mission begins with fervent prayer. A gospel culture is a praying culture. We know the word devoted. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in Thanksgiving. You know the word devoted. You've heard devoted parent, uh, devoted fan. I'm devoted to a TV show. What do all these have in common? You are committed to watching. You won't miss it. A devoted parent is at their kids' recitals, at their kids' game. A devoted fan watches pointless preseason games, doesn't miss a game. I know Rockets preseason begins Tuesday night. And though I'm teaching my theology class Tuesday night, it might get canceled. Stay tuned. (laughs) Devoted to a TV show, you record me, you watch them all. Here's the... Here's what's happening in devotion. You're consistent because you care. You're consistent because you care. So why aren't we devoted to prayer? Why is it that we're more more devoted to our DVR than to praying? Well, I think it's because on some level, we don't care about the mission. I I don't watch Real Housewives of Orange County. Throwing that out there. That's okay if you do. I don't watch Real Housewives of Orange County because I don't care. I don't care about non-reality reality reality shows. But people were glued to their TVs this past Thursday, watching Dr. Ford's testimony, watching Judge Kavanaugh's testimony. Why? 
because we cared. Because it was important what was going on. And beloved, if we aren't devoted to prayer, because it's because we don't know the stakes that we're involved in. We aren't clued in to the mission, what's happening. We don't feel it in our bones and, and in our hearts, what's at stake. So here's where we begin. This is the prayer we offer up. If you're not resonating with evangelism and gospel mission, here's where we start. Lord, open my eyes to the gospel mission. Lord, burn in my heart. And we need to pray for each other and ourselves. This is what Paul does. Paul's in the middle of this gospel mission, writing this letter, planting churches. And look at what he asks in verse 2. So devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. Now, verse 3. At the same time, I want you to add this to your prayer list. He tells the Colossians. Pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word. Paul realizes evangelism will not happen without the Lord. Effective evangelism won't happen without God. But notice, who's the us? Pray also for us. So don't ever, here's what we're realizing. Don't ever view Paul as this lone ranger, Superman, church planter. That's not who Paul is. Paul is always with a team. So who's the us? It begins in verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner. That's a great name for a boy. Aristarchus. My fellow prisoner, sends you greetings, as does Mark. So Mark's also in jail with him. You can see going down to verse 11, and so does Jesus, who's called Justice. They change his name. Expectations are a little high when your name is Jesus. So they call him Justice. Verse 12, Epaphras is there. And you skip down to verse 14, Luke is there. So now you have Paul, Aristarchus, Mark, Justice, Epaphras, Luke, all of them together in prison, all of them on mission together. And here you have, this is incredible, here you have Paul and Luke wrote Acts, wrote the Gospel of Luke, in prison together. These guys wrote most of the New Testament. And Luke actually wrote the most. Paul wrote more letters, but in sheer tonnage of words, Luke wins. Don't give Paul more credit. I mean, he's writing Philemon and all these other little tiny ones too. Luke wins in tonnage. So here you have two guys, Paul and Luke, who are really the main, the largest communicators of New Testament Christianity. And here they are in prison, asking the church in Colossae, would you pray for us? Pray that God would make our evangelism effective. Pray that God would open a door for us. Pray that we would be faithful to preach and to share and spread the gospel as we should. So if Paul and Luke are asking for prayer, how much more should we be? These guys are some of the most effective, famous evangelists in the world, and here they are asking for prayer. But maybe, maybe they did what they did because they did depend on divine power. And we still depend on ourselves. They did depend on the power of the Holy Spirit and they were clothed with power from on high and we still depend on our own tactics and techniques and tricks and evangelism. But where we need to pray is like what they pray is this, God, open a door for us. Open my eyes, open my heart, open their eyes, open their heart. And beloved, when is the last time you prayed? That you prayed for God to help you in a moment of gospel mission. God, give me a window to share. God, give me an opportunity. That's non-awkward, non-abrasive, non-irritating. We can all do abrasive, irritating evangelism. That's easy. 
But I think this, this passage is actually saying, don't do that because of verse six. Look at verse six. Let your speech, he says to speak the mystery of Christ in verse three. Now he's saying, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Now you can get all scholarly. Now salt was used in the first century. for We, we know what salt is used for, to make things delicious, to make things yummy, to make things intriguing, winsome. It's like that tortilla chip. You already know which one I'm talking about. That somehow all the salt gravitated to this one. And you took a bite and you realized, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Paul's saying, your speech should be like that chip. Salty. It awakens you. It's non-ignorable. It's recognizable. And Paul says, beloved, pray for these moments where you see the door and you go and you're salty, you speak. And you've been there. The server at a restaurant makes a comment about how you prayed before the meal. And what do you say? Oh, that's just, you know, that's what we do. A moment you can leverage for Christ. Or a coworker notices your Bible's open and she says, oh, I grew up in church, but I haven't been in forever. What do we do? Yeah, it's a great book. I mean, I remember I had a conversation with a, one of my coworkers back at Starbucks when he used to work there, and she literally told me, what do I need to do to get saved? It's like God just went, here you go, bud. Just go, go, just, just go through it. That's going to happen in your life, and you got to go through it. If you're praying, God, let me see these open doors, and let me walk through them in the power that you give. And we got to pray for each other. It's an insight to the text that we could miss. Paul's asking the Colossians, would you pray for us? And so we in a gospel community, in a gospel culture, in a church, have to tell one another, hey, would you pray for my evangelism this week? Would you pray for me at my office? I think I've got a real opportunity that the Lord's given me. Would you pray for me here? Pray for me to speak the word of Christ. So while gospel mission, prayer makes it possible, but listen, gospel mission, what we do is we speak and we spread the word of Christ. Look what Paul prays for. Second thing we see, we speak and we spread the word of Christ. Look at verse three again. So at the same time, pray also for us that God, all dependent on God, may open a door to us for the word to what? To speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I may make it known as I should. So Paul says, help, pray that God would help me take this gospel doctrine, put wheels on it and announce it to the world, to speak it. Paul and his team are incredible evangelists and they're praying and we're called to do the same thing. And I think we, I think you guys will become incredible evangelists. I I believe that you will just by praying and encouraging one another and moving forward in gospel mission to spread. And look at how he defines it. Look at what he says in verse three, to speak the mystery of Christ. That phrase, the mystery of Christ. That's such an interesting way to, to describe it. The mystery of Christ. It makes me stop and think, okay, mystery. That word is freighted with all kinds of meaning. Hidden, secret, it's a drama. You know why podcasts like Serial and RFK tapes, all about a conspiracy theory and this mystery of the assassination of Robert F. Kennedy and why crime mystery shows, why they go viral and take over an American culture? Because we are all longing for something beyond our boredom. 
We are longing for something that's bigger than us. Something that makes us go, oh man. Something that makes us feel like we are a part of something and clued into something that's bigger than the smallness of our life. And listen, beloved, the gospel is the mystery of the universe. If Christ, since he is the king of kings, the gospel is the mystery of mysteries. And that's exactly what Paul says in Ephesians 1, that he made known to us the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure, here it is, that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time. And here's the mystery now revealed, to bring everything together in Christ both things in heaven and things on earth, all in him. So Paul says, you want to know the mystery of the universe? That everything lands on Jesus. All races are brought together in Jesus. All divisions cease in Jesus. Complete unity is found in Jesus. The mystery we're bringing to the light in gospel mission is that everything is about Jesus that you exist for Jesus, that sombrero galaxies. Have you seen these things? I don't know if it's just my half Mexicanness that I gravitate to sombrero galaxies, but I love them. They exist for Jesus. The nations exist for Jesus. Everything, the arc of history is long and it bends and lands on Jesus. So gospel mission is more than asking people, if you died, where would you go today? It's a good question. But gospel mission is also more than, why should God let you into his heaven? What we're doing in gospel mission is, is that we are telling people, making known the word of Christ, that the son of God, the eternal son of God, Jesus Christ, came down from heaven. And that he took our sins on himself and paid for them when he died on that disgusting, recycled Roman cross. But that he did rise from the dead on the third day. And he's been given a name that's above theirs. And he's been given a name that's above yours. And given a name that's above mine. And the mystery is that what looked like just an ordinary man being put to death, the mystery is that you were actually being put to death if you believe in him. And what looked like just an ordinary man being put to death, what was actually happening is your sins were being put to death, if you believe in him. And that when he rose from the dead, the mystery is you were rising with him. And that when he ascended and sat at the right hand of the Father, the mystery is that you are sitting with him too. And you've been made a co-heir of the universe with Christ. Gospel doctrine is for gospel proclamation. And Paul prays for the Colossians, pray that we'll speak it. And I'm praying that all of you will speak it too. I'm praying that God would turn you into a body of humble and hungry evangelists. Speaking the word of Jesus. You should underline that word in verse three. This is like, this is the key to gospel mission. Paul prays to speak, that we would speak. You gotta speak it. I know you've heard the quote, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Eh. That's not true. I get the sentiment behind it. You gotta live the gospel truth. You gotta live it out. You can't, that's, that's a lot of gospel culture stuff. Don't betray what you teach by how you live. Amen. But you also have to speak it. Friendship evangelism is huge. Network evangelism, huge. Good, important, 
but you have to eventually speak it. You got to proclaim it. Don't deceive yourself in thinking, I'm a great evangelist. My barista, we know each other's names. You got to speak it. You got to get the gospel out. You got to make known the grace of God that you can be forgiven. You can be saved by Jesus. Now, I know when you hear messages like this, do you think of reasons you haven't been talking about Jesus to those who don't know him? What defense mechanisms pop up? I mean, I'm talking about two convicting things in one, prayer and evangelism. Why don't we add tithing or something else? Why don't we talk about something else? What else convicting could we talk about? What defense mechanisms pop up when you, when you hear sermons on evangelism? Uh, you know, I'm busy. Uh, my kids, soccer, my work's been crazy. And just we have constraints right now. Listen, we all have constraints and we all have challenges and, and limitations to our lives. Absolutely. Paul did too. Did you see what his was? Look again in verse 3 to Paul's constraint. So pray that God would open a door for us to the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I should make it known as I should. What was Paul's constraint? Literal constraints. Chains dangling from his ankles and wrists, ankles, wrists, bound by shackles. You can't get more constrained than this. And he prays, God, give me an open door that I would speak as I should. Whatever your circumstances are, beloved, that you think are limiting you from speaking the mystery of Christ, they are not more constraining than being in the slammer. I know you got a baby. I know you got toddlers. I know you work a lot of hours. I know you're tired, but you're not in the clink you can still pursue gospel mission, whatever your circumstances are. And we need to let the last word of verse four really sit on us. Look at at the last word in verse four. Paul says, so that I may make it known as I should. We don't like shoulds. Your Bible, if you have the ESV or another translation, it may say something like ought to, as I ought to. We don't like ought to's. We live in a gospel-centered era where we talk about grace. And yes, grace but we're misunderstanding God's grace if it eliminates words like ought to and should. It's that very grace of God that compels us to the shoulds, that we should do this. If we really know Jesus, we should be doing this. And we like to talk in, it's not that we ought to, but that we get to. Yes, we get to. We get to ought to. We should be making the gospel known. We should be making the mystery of the Messiah known. And we should make it clear. Your Bible might say also in verse four that I should make it known or I should make it clear as I should, which that makes it sound like we need clarity when we share the gospel, making sure we dot our doctrinal I's and cross our doctrinal T's. That's true, but that's not Paul's point. The word here in Greek literally means something like make it known, make it visible, make it clear, reveal it. That links up with mystery. Paul's saying our task is to take the mystery of a man crucified and risen from the dead, to take that mystery and reveal his cross, reveal his tomb, reveal his throne as we speak. To make it clear that Christ is the one that we must bow before. That Christ is the one who will be the gracious savior of our ruined lives. And that Christ is the one who is worthy of worship. That's our job, to make it known, 
to reveal the mystery and how we speak and how we live. You could also say it like this. Paul is saying we need to make the mystery of the gospel recognizable. Recognizable to people around us. So, beloved, as we make disciples and make much of Jesus, as as we live on gospel mission as a gospel culture, with our gospel doctrine, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to make the real gospel recognizable. We're going to make the mystery clear. We're going to make it known. And this is our church's vision. Our mission is to make disciples and and make much of Jesus. That's what we're after. That's what we're zeroed in on. And we're going to do that by having gospel doctrine, by being a gospel culture together. And then by being on gospel mission, here's what will happen. Here's our vision. We're going to make the real gospel. Because we live in a land of fake gospels. There are places around the world that have no gospel. We live in a land of fake gospels, of almost gospels, of kind of gospels. But our task is to make the real gospel recognizable in North Houston and the nations. We can't, we're not going to change all of Houston, but we can make a huge mark in North Houston. Spring, Cypress, Tomball, Woodlands. We're going to make the real gospel recognizable in North Houston and the nations by being a gospel culture that does three things, that evangelizes, that plants churches, and does mercy. That evangelizes, plants churches, and does mercy. By by God's grace, as we depend on him in prayer, we will do this. You will do this. As I look out at you, I see you will do this. We'll do this together. Jesus told us, as we saw in Matthew 28, make disciples of all nations. And we want to emphasize this more and more and more. That's why we support financially and send people to support our missionaries and church planters in Dubai as they're training church planters all throughout the Middle East. Getting ready to plant, they're just planting a church in Lebanon and actually emailing with a church planter in Lebanon this week, asking, we were going back and forth. He was asking for counsel on how should we do the Lord's Supper? Our church is helping People in Beirut, Lebanon, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Why we support church planters in Dubai, in the Southeast Asia, and the Republic of Georgia, in Thailand. Because we want to make the real gospel recognizable in the nations. And that's why our own Jessica Gann, who serves in Redeemer Kids all the time, is headed to Japan for two years to live on mission, to be on gospel mission to make Jesus known and to make disciples in one of the most unreached nations in the world. And we're called to do this here in North Houston. And some of you, I hope you'll go to the nations. And I hope, and I hope all of us will do this here. And this is one reason why our new facility ma- matters too. Because we need a place that has more room for, for more people. If you wouldn't believe, I think the first service actually had even more. And I'm thinking, well, maybe not. That's so why we added chairs for, for the, this service. We need more room to equip more people, to train more disciples, to make more disciples, to send people out to the nations, to train out more church planters, more space leveraged for the name of Jesus. And we're already, we are in the beginning stages of working with a seminary to offer degrees in our future church building, to, to send people out, to equip you in God's word, to send out more church planters. And that's why we're a part of Acts 29, our church planting network. X29 is a diverse global family of church planting churches, over 700 churches on all six continents. That's why we planted King's Church in Conroe. 
with Richard and Jessalyn Hutto. That's why Kyle Mobley and his wife, Krishna, Kyle's here in our residency program. We're training him and gonna send him out by God's mercy to plant a church in Cyprus in 2020. And I hope many of you go with them. Spreading the gospel, planting churches in the nations and here in North Houston, that's our vision. And we all play a part in this. The way you talk, And what you talk about and the way you live, it all plays a part. Because look at verse five. We got to live verse five. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Beloved, you only have so much time left on the clock. I know Pastor Barry, we talk about this all the time. He talks about how he realizes he's getting older. He's only going to have so much time left. And I could go all Piperian and talk about seashells. But we only have so much time. How are you going to use it? What's God calling you to? So when when Paul says act wisely toward outsiders, don't read this as what I think I typically would think. Be be a careful Christian. Be careful that you don't slip up and drag Jesus' name through the mud. That's totally true. Don't be hypocrites. But Paul's calling for way more. When he says live wisely among unbelievers, what he's saying is love them. Love the Lord your God and love them. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's exactly what Paul tells them in Galatians. In Galatians 6.10, he says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all. Love your neighbor. And a gospel culture has this as its mission too, working for the good of of all. So gospel mission includes speaking the word of Christ. It begins with prayer. It includes speaking the word of Christ. And this is the other thing gospel cultures do. Gospel mission includes loving our neighbors. Gospel mission includes loving our neighbors. Speaking the word truthfully, making the mystery of Christ known that Jesus died and he rose and he's inviting sinners to himself. But James also tells us what our mission is. Pure and undefiled religion is this to keep oneself unstained from the world and to care for orphans and widows in their distress. That's Jesus's half-brother saying this is what we're about. And the Apostle Paul, I think we could all agree, he is an Old Testament scholar. And the Old Testament is embedded into his mind and writings. He makes connections and bridges that, in his writings that we need to find. And you know this. You know this is how speech and writing works. If I said, guys, I want you to know that life is like a box of chocolates, you would not think, man, Jeff really knows Shakespeare. You would probably know where that came from. If I said to you when we were leaving out in the parking lot, hey, may the force be with you, you wouldn't think Star Trek is cool. You would know that's Star Wars. And why in the world is Jeff saying that? The Old Testament works in the same way in Paul's mind. He is embedding truths and connections and breadcrumbs that lead us back to massive concepts. So when Paul says, work for the good of all, I cannot help but think of the breadcrumb that maybe Paul's bringing us to of Isaiah 1:17. Learn to do what is good. Pursue justice. Correct the oppressor. Defend the rights of the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. This is our mission. Micah 6.8. Mankind, he has told you 
He has told each of you what is good and what it is the Lord requires. Not suggests. What the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. So what is the good we should work for for all people? What is also a part of the gospel mission in a gospel culture? Justice, mercy, helping the fatherless, the oppressed, the voiceless, the victimized, the powerless, the ignored, the rejected. This is what the prophets and Paul are communicating to us. Loving our, we got to be clear, loving our neighbors is not the gospel. But the gospel compels us. And the risen Christ calls us to love our neighbors and to do to others as we would want done to us. His cross kills our selfishness and creates a selflessness to love others. Not just to leapfrog to a gospel presentation. You don't serve the homeless so you can just leapfrog to, I'm going to give you a gospel track. Loving the homeless is also its goal on its own. Loving our neighbors, whether they are in the womb, or they are in addiction counseling, or they are a refugee from Kenya, the love of Jesus compels us. And I would encourage you to go and read Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. I read it again yesterday just to remind myself of it. An expert in the Old Testament comes up to Jesus and is grilling him. And Jesus answers his questions and, and, and these things. And then Jesus says, hey, you need to love your neighbor. And the guy says, he tries to justify himself, to wiggle out of what Jesus is saying and says, well, who's my neighbor? Jesus says, let me tell you a story. A man is robbed, beaten, left for dead. And a temple priest is walking by, head figure in Jerusalem, in Israelite worship, sees it, goes to the other side of the road. A Levite now walks by, and he sees the same man, beaten, robbed, left for dead, bloody. And instead of stopping help, Levite, who's also a big deal in Judaism, he goes to the other side of the road. But Jesus says, then a Samaritan, someone who would have been despised by the Jews because of their ethnic makeup, sees the man. And Jesus says, and he had compassion on him. What did we read last week? Put on compassion, kindness, gentleness, patience. Jesus, has compassion. Jesus says the man had compassion on him and he gave him medical care. He dressed his wounds. He gave him a ride, put him on his donkey. He gave him a place to stay, paid for a hotel room. And then the man went on his way. And even in fact, the man says, whatever else you need to pay to take care of him, I'll come back and pay it. And Jesus finishes the parable by saying, go and do the same. Go and do the same. But we often feel in our hearts, well, they're probably going to use it on drugs. He's just going to buy beer. Maybe. God's wisdom will have to help you navigate that. But our Lord tells us, go and do the same. And I think in that parable, I think there are some Christians today who would hear Jesus talking about caring for someone, giving them medical care, giving them a ride, giving them a hotel room, and then critiquing Jesus saying, but you didn't even share the gospel with him. You didn't even slip a gospel tract under his pillow. We must learn to do good, as Isaiah says. Do you know why? Because it's not our instinct. It has to be something we have to learn. 
When you read the four Gospels, what do we see in Jesus? He's meeting physical needs. He's meeting medical needs. He's feeding people. And he's standing up to oppressors. Everyone's greatest need is the gospel, is Jesus himself. And when we love our neighbors, what we're doing is we're showing them this is the kind of people Jesus makes. Another reason why you should love Jesus and why you should believe Jesus, look at what we are. Look at what we've become. We've learned to do this from him. Follow him, honor him, love him. And so we as a church, we can make the real gospel recognizable in word and deed, in faith and works in North Houston and the nations by spreading the gospel, by planting churches, and by doing mercy. Learning to do what is good, pursuing justice, correcting the oppressor. And these are all things you do for other people. These are all active things. So here's how. Here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that we as a church, that we will never walk to the other side of the street. And that maybe some of us will stop walking to the other side of the street. And that we'll get in. Gospel mission also has dirt under its fingernails. Gospel cultures don't just have neat theology books underlined. The gospel culture also gets dirty hands. So here's how I want you to help. Here's how we want to help you not walk to the other side of the street. One, it begins with this. Pray. Pray for the oppressed. Pray for the persecuted. Pray for the afflicted. Pray for the beaten down and the orphans. Second, don't just, be a, don't just be a Sunday Christian. It's one of the greatest messages we need to hear in the Bible Belt. Don't just be a Sunday Christian. Jesus cannot be your Lord just for an hour and a half, for 90 minutes on Sunday. To be a disciple of Christ means he's the Lord of my life, of everything. Sunday Christianity is just a sham. Live as disciples seven days a week as a gospel culture, on gospel mission. Third, we want to do mercy, join the mercy ministries of Redeemer. As a church, we're learning to do good. We've not always been faithful at doing mercy, pursuing justice, loving those who are broken down, but we're learning and you can join in. You can, a lot of us are already involved, but more, we need more. And here's how. You can get involved in the Tomball Pregnancy Center. You can serve there as they are saving babies, saving children. They send out prayer requests. You can financially support them. I mean, they are saving children, training moms. You can donate toys. Instead of taking maybe baby stuff you don't need anymore, instead of taking it to Goodwill, take it to Tomball Pregnancy Center. When you're at their grocery store, maybe buy a pack of wipes, buy a, a pack of diapers, buy some baby clothes, and take it to them. Bring your kids. I loved bringing my kids and Oliver dragging his toys into the Tomball Pregnancy Center. Bring them a part of the gospel mission. The orphan care ministry here at Redeemer, it exists to mobilize the church to care for vulnerable children by equipping new foster parents, adoptive families, supporting existing foster parents and adoptive families. They'll be holding studies and there's trainings and drives. Uh, you can become a certified babysitter. I know there's one group in our church where there's a foster family and a lot of people in their group have become certified babysitters to, to all care for these, this child together, to help, help and support and, and serve one another. Tomball Emergency Assistance Ministries, TEAM. So what happens at TEAM is people line up on Tuesdays and Thursdays. They also have a a, like a, a market, they've got clothes and household goods, and all those kinds of things, food pantry. But also at team, they have caseworkers. 
where people line up Tuesday through Thursday uh, needing financial assistance, needing rides, needing medical help, um, uh, all, all kinds of things. And they meet with a caseworker, they hear their story, they take notes, they meet with them, they share the gospel with them, and they try to find the help that they need. You can become a caseworker. They tell us all the time, we need more caseworkers. So if you're available, Tuesdays, Thursdays, you don't have anything going on. Kids are in school, you're at home, you've already cleaned the house five times, we got something for you. And you can only watch so much, you know, General Hospital. And another thing you do is this one, this is kind of a branch off of team. I didn't put it on screen. This is be great when you're going to love this one. Tables and Tacos. Tables and Tacos was started by Maggie Harden, one of our members here at Redeemer, who's also a teacher at Tomball High School, on her own, as she saw people lined up early at team to get in to see a caseworker, Tuesdays and Thursdays. She decided, I'm bringing some tables and I'm bringing some tacos and I'm just going to hand them out. I'm going to pray with people. I'm going to share the gospel with them. I'm going to show them the love of Christ. If you're free Tuesdays and Thursdays, you can hand out tacos. I believe every single one of us is qualified to hand out tacos. You don't need any ministry training for that. Make sure you hold it palm up. You don't need that. You can do that. You can pray with people. And since now Maggie's back at school, Lawson and Barry are now there, and they're leading that on Tuesday mornings. Abba's house. It's a place for refugees, international refugees, for women and children. They're showing them the life-giving presence of Jesus. You can serve there. I know Daniel Nowak's been there setting up benches for them. We had other guys go up hanging swings. They're going to need some help with apple orchards, and there'll be all kinds of projects coming up. And you can go. If you're good at ESL, you've got free time to drive people to the doctor, teaching job skills, you can serve refugees. Our STEPS recovery program. We're helping people in their addictions. You can become a mentor in this program to help others experience the freedom of Christ. A Kairos prison ministry. You can minister to those in prison there at the Jester Unit in Richmond, Texas, encouraging them, sharing the gospel with them, letting them know you aren't forgotten. Even though this facility was built in such a way that you would be forgotten, Jesus has not forgotten you. And we haven't forgotten you. The Parsons House Assisted Living Center, where you can serve the elderly who are typically also forgotten. By volunteering at a weekly chapel service or special events, you can get involved in any of these things. There's plenty of room. And the way you could do it, it's live on our website, makingmuchofjesus.org slash mercy. And even on our homepage, there's a little graphic on the front of the homepage that says Mercy Ministries. Click, you'll see everything I just read, and there'll be emails for all of these people. For Tomball Pregnancy Center, Mary Catherine Ivey, Orphan Care Ministry, Dale and Christina Guger, Tomball Emergency and Assistance Ministries is Rocky Alexander, one of our members. He is the president of TEAM. God has really brought us together. Uh, Abba's House, you can contact Phil Sandoz, Steps, Pastor Barry, Kairos, Prison Ministries, Josh Baker, Parsons House is Jenny Dyson. Brothers and sisters, let's, let's make the real gospel recognizable by spreading it, planting churches, and, and doing mercy. Because a gospel culture lives on gospel mission. And we're going to do this here in North Houston and to the nations. And we're going to do this together. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.